0: Today, on the Bill Kelly Show, on 900 CHML. Finally, a commitment from the federal government for a federal budget. Uh, Finance Minister Christy Freeland made the announcement. Terry Padwell has the details. It'll be the first federal budget in more than two years after the government opted not to introduce one in 2020 as the COVID-19 pandemic took hold in Canada. It will also be Krista Freeland's first budget as finance minister. She took on the portfolio last summer following Bill murno's resignation. The budget is expected to provide a full accounting of all government spending through the pandemic, which has set the deficit for the fiscal year to almost $400 billion. It's also expected to outline the Liberals' plan to spend between $70 and $100 billion over the coming years in fiscal stimulus to help the economy recover. Terry Pedro, the Canadian Press, Ottawa. So the good news is there's going to be a budget, and we're going to get some details about that. But as is always, as uh, anything that happens with the federal government up on Parliament Hill, uh, there are subtexts to this and uh, and side issues and sidebar stories to this. And uh, to try to sift through all of that and make some sense of it, so pleased to welcome back to the program Laura Babcock, president of Power Group, joins us here on The Bill Kelly Show. Laura, I hope you're doing well these days.
1: I'm doing wonderfully. How can we not with this beautiful weather,
0: Bill? Exactly. It's about time. I think we could, we deserve this. Uh, I, w- I want to get to the budget. We'll do that in just a couple of seconds. But I want to also talk about uh, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole. Uh, with their opposition day yesterday, he started pressuring the government and saying, when are you going to announce the reopening plan? Uh, he's giving them 20 days to do this. Uh, and, and I understand that uh, because we need to get some details. President Biden's done this, and, and Prime Minister uh, Boris over on the other side in the U.K. has done this. Uh, but it's not been a good week for Aaron O'Toole uh, for a whole lot of reasons that we can talk about in a second here. Uh, and, and you know, one of the best uh, used plans, I guess, when a politician is in trouble like this, is to change the channel and start putting the pressure on somebody else. So I understand why he's going after the prime minister about this, and there's a lot of justification in this. Uh, but uh, from the, the policy convention last week, uh, Aaron O'Toole is, uh, well, he's, uh, let me put it this way, not quite up on the pedestal that he thought he was on.
1: Well, the policy convention was a disaster in terms of what came out of it, what the headline was. It was across all kinds of media. Uh, basically, 54% denied voting for a motion that included the language in it that climate change was real. So what came out of that, The what Canadians heard coming out of that, was that they are climate change deniers. Now, that's not all of the Conservative Party, of course. And O'Toole himself very much says that he understands climate change is real and that he's going to put forward a climate policy. But in order for him to have made that statement and to try to tip it away from that those horrible headlines... He had to say, you know what, whatever the grassroots said, I'm going to ignore because I'm the leader and we're going to do what I want to do, which sets up a whole other set of problems with him. So we always knew that O'Toole would have a hard time. He ran a little to the right, then he tried to, you know, come at it from a centrist point of view. He needs to be more centrist if he has any chance of making up that margin, that five-point difference he's had with Trudeau since he became leader. Uh, and he, how does he do it now? He either throws his You know, his grassroots to the side and says, I don't care what you say. I'm going to go forward with a climate change strategy, uh, which is going to cause all kinds of detention in the ranks. Or he goes with what they say and becomes unelectable in Canada with this idea of being a climate change denier as a party. So he's in he's in big trouble. And so he has to come out and he has to attack Trudeau where Trudeau has vulnerability if the election that's coming up gets framed around climate change, then, you know, the Conservatives are not looking at getting back in, and Trudeau's already had a 45% chance of getting a majority government. He's also 45% chance of getting a lot of seats but not quite to majority. So if it's about climate change, then the Conservatives really have very little way to get there. If, however... Uh, he can, O'Toole can effectively make it all about COVID, the slow vaccination rollout, the lack of, you know, declarative opening strategy, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's a winning strategy. because Canadians are frustrated. Uh, you know, if O'Toole can make that the election all about COVID and how they handled COVID, Trudeau handled COVID, then they've got a chance. But this has to be a major, major pivot uh, onto the attack for O'Toole and the Conservatives.
0: There's the issue of the climate change and and the the, the ridiculous idea that you know that they didn't even want to vote on it. well they did but they didn't want to entertain the idea. The other one, of course, was the assisted dying law, which they basically said uh, we're opposed to that in principle, uh, and and that was of course ruled un- unconstitutional by the Supreme Court six years ago. Laura, I I'm, I I love nostalgia, I love 50s and 60s uh, pop music, <laughs> but not 50s and 60s politics, and that's what these guys seem to be gravitating towards.
1: Well, listen. The conservatives have certain brand propositions that have always worked for them, whether or not they're true or not. And that is that they're physically responsible, uh, you know. And so, if they can, if they can be all about getting businesses open and starting up the economy and, you know, and, and then criticizing the Trudeau expenditures on COVID and, and, and the, the ballooning deficit and all the rest of it, then they can play to what a lot of people will look for, especially if people see Freeland's budget and say, Oh my goodness, how are we ever going to repay that? We need fiscal conservative leadership back in there. So, I mean, that's where, where they do well, where they are always in trouble is when they get into these culture war nonsense that We see so much as part of the Republican brand in the U.S. When you're bringing up old culture wars or, or trying to stoke culture wars or looking like you haven't progressed from where we were culturally back in the 50s and 60s, you just look out of touch with Canadians. You know, Canadians have a lot to criticize Trudeau about in the handling of the pandemic. It's embarrassing that we are still talking about September before we're all vaccinated when you got Biden talking about March and he's ahead of his targets. I mean, what is going on? How are we possibly the country that said we procured more than any other country per capita back in the fall, and now all of a sudden we're, what, 42nd, 45th in the world? So, I mean, there's a lot that we can be upset with Trudeau about, and there's a lot of reasons why Canadians might look for an alternative. But as long as, you know, the Conservatives are putting forward these culture war issues that Canadians have moved past, they're really not providing any kind of alternative, and they're handing it to Trudeau.
0: Andrew Scheer didn't get the message well tools trying to but but laura if you have to tell your party that you're the leader and you're the one making the decisions are you making the decisions are you the leader
1: well that's a great question as you know i've done a lot of leadership consulting over the years with power group and i always no matter what the c is on the title of my client ceo cfo whatever I always tell them, you know what, leadership is not a title. It's about whether or not you turn around and you have followers. <laughs> you, know, so you can put whatever <laughs> title point. you want on the, on the boardroom or on your door. Uh, you can sign off your signature, your email, with any kind of title you want. But if you turn around and there's nobody following you based on their inherent belief in your leadership and their decision that you will take them to a better place, then you're not a leader. So if you have to declare that you're a leader, uh, you know, then, then you've got issues.
0: And to that point, I mean, that's a battle they're going to have to have, and, and past leaders have done that. I mean, we mentioned the Andrew Scheer situation, who didn't seem to get it and tried to, to cater to, to that extremist part of the party, and look where that got him. And I know O'Toole sees that. He's, I guess he's learned that lesson from the way he's talking, uh, but you're right. He's saying, follow me, and he's looking behind him and said, where are you guys, uh, which has got to be problematic, but that's something he's going to have to wrestle with. And uh, as, as so many different people said, I mean, the, we could spend the next hour and a half talking about some of the shortcomings of the Liberals in handling the pandemic and the vaccination rollout, uh, but the, the, the Conservatives shoot themselves in the foot uh, in situations like this. And and I, I haven't seen the polling for this week, the Leger and and the Nano stuff. But I got to assume that the the Liberals are in pretty good shape. But as you say, look, you look at the numbers in some of the geographic areas, and and they're they're once again seemingly coming close to majority territory again, which is not what the Conservatives wanted to see. Uh, and the budget's coming out in a couple of weeks, so let's let's, let's get into that. This is Christian Freeland's first budget as finance minister. Uh, for, forget about anybody that mentions the term fiscal responsibility in these times is is going to get booed off the stage. I mean, this is spend, spend, spend. But that's what they've been doing for the last two years.
1: Well, I think, you know, today's provincial budget, you know, people are labeling it as an NDP-esque budget because it will be spending. But I think that's what people are expecting. They are expecting to see governments do anything they can to stimulate the economy, anything they can to support child care initiatives, anything they can to support the health care system. In other words, spend their way through it. With the uh, with the idea that there is this pent up consumer demand there, and if you can just get us through so that we can get back to spending, we're going to open up all of the you know our our checkbooks and our, our wallets, and we're suddenly going to go crazy like the Roaring Twenties. People are comparing it to right this idea of always going to go out always going to take advantage of all the things maybe we took for granted before so there's this thought that if governments can just get us to that point then we will be able to generate enough of an economic rebound that we're going to be able to deal with any deficits that are left over any kind of hangovers from this horrible pandemic time so i would expect that freeland's going to throw any kind of money they have at those very things so that canada can get back on track get back to being competitive and then with the hope of you know what an economic stimulus is going to result in in of course we're going to have to pay taxes at some point but we'll be in a position where we can stomach having to pay those taxes because we'll be having a vibrant economy so that would be my expectation on on how they frame it let's spend our way through and then let's deal with it when we have a a robust economy on track
0: as a minority government obviously you want to stay in power such as it is anyway and and to do that in the last couple of uh confidence motions i guess that have been presented uh the liberals are basically catered to the ndp and and you know and talked about some things like well pharmacare care programs and things which have yet to actually come to fruition but there they are do they need to do that now if, And when he looks at the numbers and when the party looks at the numbers and says you know what an election that right now wouldn't be a bad thing uh or they simply say this is where we're going to go and, and forget about the NDP support?
1: Well, I think that uh, they would be foolish to go into an election until they get a handle on the vaccination rollout, right? Until Canada has, and this is where O'Toole might into their hands. So during this 20 day, it just you've got a plan for us to open up again. Because if in fact Trudeau is able to come back and say, well, actually we beat expectation targets. It's not going to be September. It's going to be Canada Day. Then O'Toole, you know, kind of looks a little foolish because now the opening plan is something Canadians can get excited about and another win for Trudeau. So I don't think that they're going to be trying to push an election uh, until that. I don't think that they're going to overly cater to the NDP in this budget. They know what Canadians are looking for, which is support. And that has been where he has pulled the highest, Trudeau, is when his messaging has been consistently, we're in this together, here's some support. that He got high marks for that. I think he was up in the 70s, if you remember, in terms of his popularity last spring when he seemed to be the leader that was being compassionate and, and actually rolling out programs, although sometimes flawed in their execution. So I think if they do a budget that's based on the Liberal promise of supporting and getting Canadians to together, they beat expectation on the opening up uh, conversation, then they will be in a position to run. And probably he could get his majority that I'm, I'm sure he's very much looking forward to. So I don't expect they're going to fully go into Pharmacare in this budget.
0: There's a there's- Problem I've got with logistics here, with what O'Toole's asking for here, though, because uh, the, the phrase he kept using is, "When are we going to open up again?" Uh, and, and you know, we look at our circumstance here in Ontario, which is different from BC and, and, and different from Alberta. Again, uh, the, the, the closures, whether it's you know the bars, restaurants, whatever it is, these are provincial decisions. It's not the federal government that's dictating that because it's not their responsibility. Uh, yet uh, O'Toole seems to want to put this all at Trudeau's feet and said, "When are you going to allow this to happen?" Uh, and that's that's not his call. I mean, I thought we were relying, first of all, on science, and second of all, it's the, it's the provincial premiers that are actually deciding, uh, as Doug Ford is doing here, what's going to stay open, what's going to stay closed, whether or not there's going to be a lockdown.
1: Well, the biggest challenge, so technically you're correct, of course, uh, but I think the biggest challenge from a positioning point of view on the pandemic is that this is one of those rare times, maybe once in a hundred year times, where we can juxtapose leadership with other leaders on the same problem. And so while technically Trudeau can can, you know, punt it over to the provinces and say, well, it's based on the local public health authorities and the provincial healthcare, blah, blah, blah. You have Biden. Of course, the states can make their own decisions. We saw Florida open up and say they're not closing back down no matter what. Um, but Biden is still taking this mantle of national leadership. And so when you have that of such a close example of an of a leader even in a situation where he doesn't have direct control saying this is how we're going to look and be as a country. This is our and even Boris Johnson we saw, you know, a while back, he sort of said this is how the UK is going to open back up. So when you have those comparisons out there, then Trudeau is not just able to rely on this technicality. He has to show statesmanship and leadership. Uh, and make it look as though Canada has its act together. And so, yeah. So, uh, so I think Couture is right to push him. And I think Canadians are not going to let him skate on the technicality. They're going to go. Where is the leadership that we're seeing from our neighbor to the south?
0: Well, and the inverse of that, I guess, is true as well. I mean, Trudeau could use this to his advantage by simply saying, I think you should be doing this, and I don't know what the premiers are thinking because they don't seem to want to do this. Uh, It's kind of turnabout fair play because he's been taking a lot of heat about the vaccine rollout, and justifiably so. Uh, But, you know, to to try to deflect some of that, uh, maybe he should take a lead on something like this. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, the the governor of Texas and the governors of Florida are saying we're going to go our own way here, and, and Biden's chastising them for that. Nothing wrong with speaking up. About it.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that Trudeau missed an opportunity during the LTC crisis in Ontario. He could have said, you know what, I'm studying in the army. <laughs> what are you doing, Doug Ford? You know, yeah. uh, but, it, but he took this kind of hands off approach, and we watched people die. Uh, unnecessarily. And, and, you know, and so I think there's ample criticism on Ford and his handling of the LTC crisis and not asking for that kind of federal support. And you saw Trudeau kind of passive-aggressively say, well, I offered, you know, but that's not the kind of leadership that we want to see when we have, you know, Biden is not obviously perfect. He's got other issues going on, like his handling of the border crisis and stuff in the U.S. But on the pandemic, he has gotten pretty high marks for being clear, setting ambitious targets, you know, fast tracking vaccination rollouts, and basically everything to say, even if some of these states are outliers, uh, it's at their own detriment because nationally we are showing the world that we're back and we're on, in charge. And I think he's doing tremendous um, gains for both himself and for the U.S. reputation in the world. So Trudeau could take a page from that and start to say this is what Canada needs to be open and safely by this time. And if the premiers are going to act irresponsibly in the face of this national target, you know, it's on them.
0: Absolutely. Laura Babcock, as always, Laura, thanks so much for this. Great talking with you again today. My pleasure, Bill. Take care and stay well. Uh, President of Power Group, of course, uh, always insightful into politics on both sides of the border. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.